Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. Good morning again and Merry Christmas. Here we are. We are finishing, concluding our series in uh, the, the Advent season. The Advent season started in November, takes us all the way to Christmas. Today's the last sermon in the Advent uh, sermon. This sermon is called The Gift of Righteousness. We've looked at the Advent and how the Advent of Jesus have brought us gifts. And ultimately now, we will finish here with the gift of righteousness. It's without righteousness. You cannot be in right relationship with God. And so we need the the righteousness of God to be given to us, to be put on to us, to have eternal salvation. And so that's what I'm going to look at this morning. We're going to look at three things this morning in this text. Those three things are the imperfect law, the perfect promise, and the perfect gift. Let me give you some context around uh, these few verses. Here's, here, the book of Romans is probably the, the, the most rich book in all of God's Word that hinges all of our theology. All theology can really be found in the book of Romans. And so Paul is writing this book to the, the, the Christian world to let them know what we believe to be true about God. So everything hinges in this book for us. And so what Paul is doing here in Romans 3 uh, one day I'll talk through Romans. It'll probably take me 10 or 11 years. That's why I haven't decided to do it yet. One of the greatest theologians ever to walk the planet, he started for 20 years and never finished. And I'm like, man, I'm not that wise, that smart, or that godly. So I'm like, that is a book I don't want to tackle just yet. Uh, maybe when I get more gray hairs. But here in Romans chapter 3, Paul is talking about the righteousness of God. But what he does first is to show humans, mankind, the need of that righteousness. And he starts off and he, he borrows some scripture in Romans chapter 3. We, we know the passage well. He says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All of us have turned aside. All of us together have become worthless. No one is good. No one does good. Not even one. He says we all have open uh, throats as graves. We use our tongues to deceive. He goes on to say this. There is no fear of God in any of us. Now that's a bleak passage, is it not? 
But what Paul is doing, he's going to set us up for what we come here today to celebrate, the birth of Christ. Because without the birth of Christ, we would remain in that passage. We would remain in the passage of no one is righteous, no one is good, no one seeks God. That's where we would remain. So Paul now says this. He says this to point us back to the law. Paul says it so clear in the text, so I'll just use Paul's very words. He says this at the very end of verse 20. He says, there is a law. God has given us the law. That's the entire Old Testament. The entire Old Testament is law. And law was given to us how we are to do relationship with God and be in relationship with God. But then he says it this, it's so clear in the text, he says, it's through the law that we have understanding or knowledge of sin. So we need the law. Law is important to us. Because without the law, we don't even know what sin is. Sin is simply this. Sin is what separates us from God. And so God gave us the law to show us that. So we need the law. But it's insufficient in and of itself. And that's what Paul is saying in the first verse. He says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. What he's saying in that text is this, all of us are under the law. No, No one to ever walk the planet is not under the law. The law of God, the law of the land, all of the law. And then he says this, The law, it, speaks to those under the law so that every mouth may be stopped. What Paul is saying is this. You will be silenced when you come to the law. What Paul is saying in that is you have no defense when you put your life up against God's word. Remember Jesus when he talks to the young rich ruler, what he says in that passage. He he says this. He goes through some of the law, and then the young rich ruler stops him because the young rich ruler knows for certain that he cannot keep up with the law. And so in that, he is silenced by the law. You have to ask yourself and myself this question this morning. How am I silenced by the law? Because I am silenced by the law because the law of God does show me all of my imperfection but then we know this to be true the law is imperfect because the law cannot justify us and so even as great as the law is the law stops at our justification the the law simply does this The, the law can and will always show us our sin but he can never forgive us of our sins and will always condemn us of our sin. And so because of that, do we believe this morning that the law is imperfect? And yet the law does reveal to us our imperfection. And so we need something greater than the law, do we not? Thank God he didn't stop at the law. And that is what now 
Paul is going to pick up on in the text. So there is the imperfect law that shows our imperfections, but it leaves us with a great need. That is what Paul now says. He says, though there is the imperfect law, there is the perfect promise. It's those little words in the Bible that have huge meanings. Here in verse 21, it's that one word, but. Paul now is going to transition to another place that doesn't leave us in the previous place. But now the righteousness of God. The word righteousness means this. It means to be made right. Or it means the fulfillment of the law. So what Paul says, there is this righteousness of God. There is this place that we're made right before God. But it's not in the law. Because that's what he goes on to say. He says, it has been manifested apart from the law. So it's not the law that brings righteousness. So what brings righteousness? Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Circle these two words in your Bible, manifested and the word it. What was manifested and what is the it that was manifested? You have to ask that question. Maybe the better question would be this, who is that talking about? Because here Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise of God in the law. And so there is a perfect promise. His name is Jesus. That's why we come and we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is, and we'll see this in a moment in the text, is the greatest gift. He is the greatest gift. It's not the law. It's Christ Jesus who brings us righteousness. And again, you've got to hold on to the word righteousness. The word righteousness means, again, to be made if you go back in the text in chapter 3, none is righteous. But now because of the manifestation of Christ Jesus, we now can be made right. Thank God for that gift. You see, we need the righteousness of God to stand before holy God. Without the righteousness of Christ, and he's going to say this later in the text, we won't teach us this morning though he, he says he is the propitiation for our sin he is the one that takes on our sin he is the one that now pours his righteousness onto us you see without the righteousness of christ you cannot stand before a holy god because all that you and i bring to the table before a holy god is our sin and god opposes sin in god's opposition to sin he says I will bring wrath upon sin. And so if you and I, without the righteousness of Christ, walk into the throne room of God, you and I would be obliterated in that moment because of our sin. Whether it's you stole a cookie or you killed somebody. Sin is sin is sin is sin. That's what Paul is saying. All of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. You cannot stand in God's glory with your sin. That is what Paul is saying. But there is again that perfect promise, Jesus. 
Now let's look this morning at what that perfect promise does. Because you can make promises. But if they don't come with gifts, they're not much of a promise, are they? They're kind of empty. And now he's going to say, there's the promise, but there's a gift in the promise. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus to all belief. He goes back and says, in verse 23, don't forget all of you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not your righteousness. It's what God has done for you. And then he says, this is what God has done for you, even in your fallenness, because you're a belief in Christ and what Christ has done for you. He says this, you are justified by his grace. That is a gift. Justification is simply this. Justification means to not come under God's holy judgment. Like it means that your slate has been wiped clean. Think about that for a moment. The justification of the righteousness of God wipes your slate clean. So yes, although we have all fallen short and all of us have sinned, it's because of the righteousness and justification that now Christ is in us and around us that we stand before God. And God doesn't see us because we're wiped clean. He only sees Christ Jesus in us. Think about that again for a moment. Again, all that you and I, apart from Christ, bring to the table is our sin. Because Jesus was obedient to God the Father and pulled on skin and went and lived, lived a sinful life to become the perfect sacrifice for our sin, we now have justification. Like we, when we come to the throne room of God to give an account for all that we've done, we will give an account. But there's going to be someone standing by our side that says, I've justified that. I've paid the penalty for all of those things. It's not that you go before God and you have no sin to bring before God. You still have that sin to bring before God. But now there's a justifier or an advocate that stands in front of you as a holy God and says, I paid the price for that. Don't count it against them. You counted it on me at the cross. That is what justification does for us. I, I think in our minds we think we come to Christ and all of our sin is gone. No, all of our sin is paid for, but it's not gone because the cross shows us where it went. And so we'll give that account. God's word is clear as day. You will stand before a holy God and give an account for all that you've done. One after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. And when that final sin, you've spoken to God, he will then step in. Jesus will say, and yet I paid for it all. Amen? That is what Christmas is all about. 
It is a gift from God. You have been made free in your justification through what? The redemption. That word redemption means there was a price that had to be paid, and it was paid. Through who? Not you, not me, but through Christ. And then in the last verse, he says this in verse 25. He says, whom God put forward. God did it. God gave you this gift. I mean, maybe you did. Some people in our house did. They, they bought themselves a gift and wrapped it and then claimed it like, hey, Merry Christmas to me. I'm like, ah, that's kind of weird, but all right. Like, we don't do that with God. Like, we don't walk into heaven and be like, hey, I got a gift for myself. Like, I, I put it in a box. I wrapped it in a bow. It, it, like, I paid for it. That, that's not what happens. Like, there was a gift that was given, given to you by God. Not even Jesus. The gift is Jesus given to you by God. He goes on to say it this way whom God put forward as our propitiation by what? His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had what? Passed over former sins. That is what Christmas is all about. The propitiation of our sins the forbearance of God on behalf of those sins by the very blood of Christ. And he started as a baby. I've said this. I think Rob does an amazing, I'd love to bring Rob back up here and say, Rob, sing Mary, did you know? Here's the deal. Mary did know. She knew, and that's why it says in the passage that we read last night, she pondered these things in her heart. She wasn't pondering the wise men's gifts. She wasn't pondering the shepherds coming. She was pondering the words that the angels say, I will give you a son, and he will be the one that cleanses all of my people. She pondered those things in her heart. My question is, do we ponder those things in our heart? My question to us this morning is, do you believe that the law points you to your sin and yet God's word points us to a promise and God's word then points us to the greatest gift that's ever been given to us, Christ Jesus, our Lord, and his body and blood spilled and broken for you so that you could have eternal life. In our Advent oh, as a family this year, the lady said this, Christmas always points us to Easter, and Easter always points us to Christmas. Like, I know we can, you could think, it sounds like an Easter message. It has to be an Easter message because it's a Christmas message. Because Christmas reminds us of a Savior. And the death of Jesus reminds us that he had to come. They're so interlocked together. And again, it's what I'll say, and I said it last night, I'll say it again this morning. Turn with me back to last night's passage, 
in closing, Matthew chapter 1. This is what the angel said to Joseph. In Matthew 21. And so I'll close as I closed last night with these two questions. Who do you say Jesus is? And what do you believe he came to do for you? This is what the angel said he, who he was and what he came to do. She will bear a son for you. You will call his name Jesus. The Lord is mighty to save. That's what his name means. For he will save his people from their sins. So who do you say he is? What do you believe he came to do for you? Today. This morning we're going to come to the Lord's Supper together. Because of back in that passage in Romans chapter 3 of how he ends. Whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood. It's by his blood and his body that we have the forgiveness of sins. But you got to remember all the way back. He came as an infant, willing, ready for his body to be broken, his blood to be poured out for us. Let me prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. This morning, what you'll do is you'll do a single file line right down the middle, and I will actually get the honor and privilege to serve you the Lord's Supper this morning on this great Christmas morning. Let us pray and prepare our hearts.